Hello, listeners, and welcome along to another episode of the Steel Sports Podcast, the podcast that puts kids first. I'm your host, Nathan Clinkenbeard, and it's my pleasure to share conversations with you from the world of sports. With soccer season ramping up across the country at all levels, my guest for this episode is FC Cincinnati's Director of Soccer Operations, Dan McNally, and his club will be opening a brand new soccer-specific stadium in May in the west end of Cincinnati. Dan has been a part of FC Cincinnati from its start in 2015 to its meteoric rise all the way to Major League Soccer. It was a leap of faith that put his life on a new trajectory where he became an integral part of growing a professional sports franchise to the highest level. Let's get to the conversation, and I hope you enjoy. Soccer season is here, or it's right around the corner for many, and and I'm sure our next guest can attest to that. He has an MLS season on the horizon here in a couple weeks, and the opening of a a brand new soccer-specific stadium in Cincinnati. It's uh, Dan McNally, the Director of Soccer Operations with FC Cincinnati. Dan, thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, really nice of you to ask me to be part of this. Thank you. Yeah, and I saw the MLS schedule, the Major League Soccer schedule was released yesterday. So what what highlights stick out to you? I'm sure the, the May 16th date with Miami, yeah. I'm sure. But uh, what stands out to you? Yeah, no, that's that's the big date, right? Is the, um, the the home opener for us this year being in a, a brand new stadium um, against uh, Inter Miami um, will be will be a great will be a great event for us on May sixteenth. It's kind of you know we've we've uh, come a long way very fast with our club, and to to open a new two hundred and fifty million dollar stadium is is like a dream, honestly, and it's a it's a big day for us and. Um, yeah, I think everyone with the club is just so looking forward to 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 get to that point because it's been an enormous lift uh, doing all this in in pretty quickly, you know. So yeah, what what a fantastic day it'll be! Absolutely, and and I want to get more into the stadium a, a little bit later. And uh, first off, just your start. I, I technically you're a part of the Steel Sports family because I know that you worked uh, in, in a past life for yeah. for UK Elite. Uh, so, so tell me, how how did you get started with UK Elite? Yeah, UK Elite was uh, played a really uh, pivotal part in my life, as it happens. Um, I I came over. I was a kind of a, a an apprentice professional soccer player in England um, when I was eight, uh, 16 to eighteen at a club in in League One called Berry Berry FC in the northwest of England. Before that, I was at Blackburn Rovers in, as an academy player, and. Um, I came over to the U.S. Uh, to a school called Embry-Riddle University in Daytona Beach and, and played played soccer at Embry-Riddle and did did quite well. Was an All-American level player. Uh, we were in the NEIA at the time, which was a lot of international players. I'm obviously English. Came over and played in the NEIA in the in the 90s for sure. Um, but then after I graduated, I actually went home and I was playing at a club called uh, Chester City, uh, which was in like. Uh, the uh, League Two in England um, at the time, and I was training with them with the hope of getting a uh, professional contract. Um, but they wanted me to stay um, for to do preseason. But uh, you know, I was a young guy. I was I was twenty two at the time, and I just felt that um, if I was being honest with myself, I was a I was a good player. You know what I mean? A, a, a decent player, uh, but I was never going to play at the highest level in England and uh, an opportunity 
came my way from my former college coach, a guy called Dave Gregson, who who had some friendships with the staff at UK Elite. And I called Dave and I was looking, you know, I really want to get back over to the US. I just see so much more opportunity in the US for soccer in terms of coaching. And um, and Dave got back to me like a few days later and said, hey, I've got this opportunity, opportunity for you with this company called UK Elite out in New Jersey. And uh, do you want to go for it? And I was... I um, I just saw it as a great opportunity to get back into soccer in in terms of coaching in the US, uh, and it was a great foot in the door for me. So I kind of I kind of went out there. Uh, I'd heard really good good things about UK Elite from people that I knew they had a good reputation and they were building a good uh, program, like a good brand. So uh, yeah, I took I took that option and uh, yeah, I went out to UK Elite um, in the summer. I believe it was uh, two thousand one. Um, kind of May, May time, 2001. And yeah, I was there for like four months and it was absolutely brilliant. I had an unbelievable time, really. It was one of the best summers of, of my life, really. Um, but yeah, that's how I got back to UK Elite. Very cool. And how did you, or what did you learn from your time at UK, UK Elite that you took not only to your coaching career, but to your position now with FC Cincinnati? Yeah, it was really pivotal for me because um, I... At the age of 22, I was very much in the player mode, like I was a soccer player. And mm-hmm. what UK Elite did for me was um, it really got my mind turned around to the coaching aspect of the game. And uh, I felt like a pretty natural fit in terms of coaching. I enjoyed it, coaching the kids. And um, so that was a big shift for me to go from like the player mindset to, to a coaching mindset. But also, I was really always really impressed with UK Elite's organization, their structure, um, the way they communicated with staff and organized their sessions. It was just a very well-run organization. And already in my mind, at uh, that young age, I was just impressed. But also, I was kind of keen to learn not just the coaching side, but also how you establish an operation, a business. And uh, it was a very re- rewarding four months for me in New Jersey. And, and we we pride ourselves on on culture, you know, not only within our company as a whole, but our team organizations, whether it's soccer, baseball, softball, uh, you know, how would you define the culture that that you're helping to build at FC Cincinnati? Yeah, culture is so important, and there's and there's and within a professional soccer organization, there's different uh, components of the club. So you have you have the first team, you have the coaches, but then you also have a, a, a different part of the club, which is kind of behind the scenes, the business operation, and I kind of. Uh, I'm connected to all all aspects of it, really. Um, but, you know, at FC Cincinnati, we we like to think we have hardworking values, um, hard work, family values, um, honesty, integrity. But um, a big part of our our uh, culture and value is teamwork. We're all we're all one team. Uh, we all work together for the for the common goal. And I think um, a lot of it comes down to that uh, sacrifice where we, we all are kind of invested in the, the the vision for the club, what the club wants to be, and, and we all play our role in getting the club to uh, to the next level, so to speak. And, yeah, all those values are important, but teamwork, sacrifice, and, and understanding the common vision of the club, you know? Yeah, working as one, obviously. I mean, especially important with a professional organization when you're talking about so many different layers within it. Yeah, hundred percent. It's um, as as we know. I mean, our, our club FC Cincinnati. We we were six years, almost six years old now, and we've come a long way, very fast. And we've come from you know 
three employees to I think we're now close to 150 employees and that kind of turnaround is, is pretty unique but you also need a strong set of values to kind of guide you through that. So, so take me back to, to 2015 and, and you're an assistant soccer coach at the University of Cincinnati but uh, you meet Jeff Birding and he pitches you about this idea this opportunity with FC Cincinnati what was that pitch from Jeff that, that really got you to bought in? Well, it was a, it was a very kind of life changing experience for me. I mean, at the time in 2015, you know, my life had moved on now. I wasn't the young 22 year old that was with UK elite. I'd been a head coach in college and I was an assistant coach in college now at the, at the division one level. And, um, but I had, as, as most assistant coaches do, um, in a community, you kind of make a lot of relationships with people because that's your job. You're, you're working with uh, club coaches and, and making sure that you know the landscape. And through that, I'd met Jeff Birding. I'd actually, uh, Jeff Birding's the president of FC Cincinnati. And I'd actually met him through coaching his son because I was making some extra money on the side coaching um, a team, um, a club team for King's Hammer Soccer Club. And um, yeah, I'd met Jeff and then Jeff and, and, and another uh, guy who was pivotal for me, Gary DeJesus, who was more on the marketing side, uh, met me for a coffee um, and they were just basically outlined that they want to start this professional soccer team. Um, we have this big vision of how we could do it in Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a soccer town. It's a sports town. And the two things that really struck home with me were we had a venue so I think where a lot of professional soccer uh, franchises go wrong initially is they don't have the right place to play. You only get one chance to make a first impression. And we had Nippert Stadium, which is the home of University of Cincinnati football. Beautiful stadium, like kind of a historic stadium, uh, 35, holds 35,000 people. And it was just, a, I already in my mind was like, wow, that would be an amazing venue to do this. Um, but then you know, on the on the business side, they had the ownership. So uh, Carl Linda the third, um, our, our majority owner here for, for FC Cincinnati is the is the most prominent businessman I, I believe in the region. So you just knew that they had that financial backing and, and obviously Jeff Birding's qualities, he had a long career with the in the NFL with the Bengals. So there was that kind of like we had the venue, we had the ownership, and then we had kind of the vision of what the franchise could be and um I just felt it was a brilliant opportunity to uh, be part of something special. You don't get many chances in your life to be at the start of, of something unique. And, um, you know, I, it just appealed to me. And, and at that moment, um, you know, I'm married. I have two I have two little boys uh, myself. And, and, and the coaching lifestyle can be very, you know, transient in a way. You can sure. be in a, a different place every six months. And that's not really how I wanted to raise my family. So it was a chance to really set some roots as well in Cincinnati, which is a place we really enjoy. So, yeah, it was just kind of a, a perfect storm, really. And um, what one of, I, I guess, um, I have many weaknesses, but one of my strengths is um, I, I have, I can see an opportunity and, and, I'm, and I'm kind of brave enough to go for it in that moment, you know? You were employee number one. And, yeah. and I was reading about, you know, working in co coffee shops and yeah. were there times when you just you know, thought to yourself, what am I doing? Was, was this the right call? Was this the right decision? Yeah, yeah there was actually, <laughs> um, because we started in May of 2015 and basically for like the first two months, I was the only employee of the club. Jeff was still uh, actively working with the, the Bengals. 
Um, and Gary, um, the other kind of partner at the time, was kind of like he was he w- he had another full time job, and he was just like assisting with us. So I was the only person, and I was building like the soccer operation, the stadium operation in my mind. And um, you know, it's funny that I did go to coffee shops to work because you know I, I'm a guy that's always had a like a full time job and used to working in an office and. Um, it just seemed very weird to me that I'm at home trying to put this stuff together. So it was more like my own, for my own mental health, I used to leave the house at 9am and, and like work till like five in these coffee shops. And they must've thought I was like a coffee addict or something. <laughs> I was there every day for like nine hours, uh, putting these thoughts and ideas together. And I drank unbelievable amount of coffee. Um, and it was, I'll tell you a funny, interesting story. I used to go to this place in, um, in Florence, Kentucky, called uh, Bike and Bean, which is a coffee place that is also a, a, a bike um, a kind of fixer place. So people bring in their bikes and they fix them and you can get a coffee. It's a really nice place to go in. So I was doing all this stuff and eventually I'm there all day. I got to know the people behind the uh, behind the counter and, you know, they when I told them I was working for this professional soccer franchise, they were like skeptical and like whatever, you know, no one never going to work, you know, but we enjoy you spending like 20 bucks a day on coffee. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. But then like three or four years later, I I, I went back in with my wife, uh, Jenny, just because we just went in for a coffee. And um, I hadn't been back for three and a half years. And uh, when I went in, they had all these um, frames of FC Cincinnati Stadium behind the counter. And the young lady behind the uh, counter was crying when I went in. Because she's like, I cannot believe you were here this time. And we didn't believe kind of like what you what you could achieve. And then all of a sudden it went crazy, right? 35,000 people at games, Major League Soccer. And they must have been like, do you remember that English guy that used to drink <laughs> coffee all day? You know, so I don't know. Yeah, I was on my own for a couple of months. It was mad. It was crazy. I just just went for it, you know. You know, they're probably telling stories about you and people aren't yeah. believing them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All these coffee places are like claiming that's where FC Cincinnati started. <laughs> that is great. I love it. Uh, you know, and, and you were you were a coach, obviously. So not just at Cincinnati, but you spent eight years at uh, Monta- Montana State University Billings. Uh, yeah, head coach for eight years. I think you're, the, you're still the all-time leader and wins there. Um, yeah. what, what do you... You have to miss some things about coaching, right? I do. I do. It's uh, it's uh, it's something in in your life. You know, you have to make you have to make decisions, right? And for me, I do miss coaching. I miss being around the players every day. I miss being that camaraderie with the guys. Um, and the, honestly, the buzz of winning and losing—that's the thing. And 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 that's if you're a competitor and you've been around sports all your life as a player and as a coach. You just love that. You love the the moment right before the game where everything's on the line, right, at any level. Um, so I do miss that. Um, but, you know, I, I think for myself, I have to look at the bigger picture and just to be part of building something, a club that will grow and it'll be long. It'll be here long after I'm gone and it'll be it'll be something special that will be good for my kids and family one day to think about, you know, so. Uh, yeah, I do miss coaching, no, no doubt about it. I think I have, I have really, I'd like to think I have decent qualities as, for a coach, but this just came along and it kind of took all my time. And the last six years have just been a, a whirlwind. Um, yeah, you know, I coached my little boys' team 
uh, both of them. I coach both their teams and it's uh, it's rewarding and it's good. And, you know, I do enjoy, I did enjoy coaching the higher level teams or the college age uh, players though, you know. And, and like you said, you, you have two young sons and, you know, sports being disrupted with, with the pandemic, you know, do, do our young athletes, do our kids, boys and girls need coaches more than ever to help mentor them, not just on, but off the field, off the field as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I think so. I mean, I, 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 I believe that all uh, young people being involved in sport is such a good thing. Like, it's not about always, oh, is this player going to go on and play for the U.S. men's national team in the World Cup? If that's that's such a such a small percentage of, of of the population will ever get to that level, coaching for me in youth sports is all about providing children with that kind of um, that feeling of of being part of a team and 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 what you need to be successful both individually and and as part of a team and and those characteristics are good things learning to work hard to listening to your coaches to to recognize that you you have some parts of your game that need to be worked on and then to work on them and, and that feeling of satisfaction you get from improving but knowing that you improve by putting in work those are good those are good things that a person needs long after their sporting career is gone um, but yeah, be learning how to be part of a team, learning how to win and lose appropriately. You know, life isn't always about winning. Part of life is losing and you need to learn how to lose and what and how you react to losing. You know, and those are great. Those are great things that I, I always think kids that have come through youth sports from a young age to like 18 or 19, regardless if they go on and uh, become professional or college athletes, just being part of it will help them in their life. I, I really believe that. How does your coaching background and your soccer knowledge help you in, in your front office role? I think it's good. I think I, I naturally am good at uh, building teams, which is now not teams on the field, but it's teams behind the scenes and, and putting people into roles that suit their skill set. I think that's a really an important thing you do in an organization. So, you know, in the new stadium, we'll have lots of, um, you know, I don't run the new whole new stadium. I run the soccer operations part of it, but, you know, we'll have lots of game day workers and it's and it's identifying people that have a skill set and putting them in the role where they can be successful. And I think that's part of coaching, you know, put people on the put people on the field where they can where they can have success. But it's just like business. You you identify talent, you interview people, you figure out if they're a good fit and then you put them in a role to be successful. You know, you don't want to you don't want to put your center forwards at left back. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's just like. Mm-hmm. In, in business, you don't want to put someone who really struggles communicating into a role where they're going to be communicating all day. So it's mm-hmm. just, you know, it's that mindset of understanding. I think a lot of it comes down to just understanding people, you know, like that's, I think in coaching, you really get, you really have to learn fast to understand people. Yeah, I want to talk about the the fan experience at FC Cincinnati. And, and you mentioned, you know, packing Nippert Stadium with, 30, 35,000 fans. And it, it really is pretty close to a European experience. If you want to look at, you know, the experience at a soccer level in America. So what did you bring from your European roots? And then, and how did you get buy-in from the fans and from the people of Cincinnati? Yeah, it was, uh, well, it was all those days in those coffee shops. I put, <laughs> I put this together. <laughs> but no, the, the big thing for me, what I, 
feel I had an impact with FC Cincinnati on the game day environment is I was absolutely adamant with the with the senior with the senior team that the fan experience should be about the team and the fans building their own atmosphere. You don't need a band to play at halftime. You don't need um, all these events around the around the stadium. You just need the fans to come into this environment and love the team and build their own experience, their own atmosphere. Um, and the big thing I brought was that I'm a big uh, Liverpool fan. And uh, behind in Liverpool, you know, the, the, the area behind the goal, the cop, where all the main supporters go, where all the noise comes from. I wanted us to to have our own cop, right? So we we built this, uh, well, we didn't build it, but there was a section of the stadium. It was actually a small section of Nippert Stadium that hold, holded about 1,500, 2,000 people. And it was right behind one of the end zones. But we decided to name that the Bailey, which is our version of the cop. And it's where our hardcore supporter groups went. And that they had the smoke and they had the, the songs and the and the and the TFOs and that became like our calling card. Like people were coming to our games to watch the team, but also to watch the Bailey because mm-hmm. they've never seen such uh, passion before at a sporting event. Soccer's different from other sports. It's it's the fans that create the atmosphere, and it's that you've got to kind of find a way to create that heart and soul, that emotion that you get watching soccer um, and it's, and it's unique to our game, I, I believe. And the other thing I did is I, I kind of put the wheels in motion for us to do a walk to the stadium or supporters to walk uh, from some of the bars um, to the stadium. And um, some of the images we've had from that became like historic, legendary, mm-hmm. you know, like um, pretty good. So yeah, I think my European mindset of like, the, the beauty of soccer is the emotion it gives. It, you don't need anything else. It's just passion for the club, that place for the for our supporter groups to be, and uh, the emotion will take care of itself. Yeah, and it, it's amazing to think when the World Cup was in the United States in the early 90s and MLS was getting started, and there were so many people that didn't believe that it would work. Yeah. And now it, and it's amazing to see how far it's come and, and just yeah. keep expanding as well. Yeah. Well, you can't like... Um, you know, I support Liverpool. I support them through the ups and downs. I love the club, right? I love them, and and that's life. If you, you can't fake love, you either love or you don't. Do you know what I mean? You're either in love or you're not in love. And and I think what we have done is we've been able to connect with our fan base in a really real, organic way, where our supporters, I believe, have a have a genuine, honest passion for our club, and you can't fake that. That's that can't be bought. That's that's real. That's in their hearts, and and that's what you feel in our stadium. And maybe in the early days of MLS and soccer in this country, they they didn't quite understand that. But now I think everyone does. You know. Yeah, and and you have a brand new soccer specific stadium opening up in May, the West End Stadium. You know why everything that you've seen with the stadium and and its development and construction. Why why would someone want to come to a watch a game in Cincinnati and, you know, what is it, what is going to set it apart? Well, I think the first thing that sets it apart is it's right in the downtown area. So where all the bars and restaurants are, it's right downtown, like Cincinnati in, in a, in a over the Rhine district, which is like one of the kind of coolest districts in the, in the city itself. So it's just a lot of them uh, in the past, a lot of stadiums are built kind of 20 miles outside the main center. Um, but our stadium is like in the middle of the city. So you know, if you're coming to our our city for a game, 
you know, you could stay in the city centre. You could walk to our stadium from the hotels and the bars and the restaurants. That's that's soccer culture, right? That's like European soccer culture. So it's right in the heart of the city. The stadium itself is absolutely beautiful. Uh, 26,000, the atmosphere in there will be brilliant. But um, what I what I really like about it is the location. It's right in the heart of the city. And FC Cincinnati has a, a couple seasons worth of experience now in the MLS. So what's what's that next step to to really achieve success in Major well, League yeah, Soccer? Our story is a little different from most clubs where ours all everything for us happened so fast. We were in the USL uh, for three years and we did really, really great. Um, and then we had a very short runway to go from one league to step up to the next league. I think it's the shortest runway ever. We had just over 200 days where some clubs get two years to get it figured out but we had to we've done an enormous amount of stuff over the last two years we've built the training center we've built a stadium we've transitioned to mls we've got all these employees and the first two years were a challenge i think any club in the world would have been challenged it just like we have been but now going into our third year in mls we've made some really good signings i think that the, the whole squad is in a really the roster is in a really strong strong place and improving place and you know, I think it's still going to take time. I mean, there's some great teams now in MLS. There's some teams that have been around for a number of years that have got really strong rosters. And it's going to take us some time to catch that. But I think we're looking at year three to be an improvement on the field uh, for sure. And I think we've got the players um, and the staff to do that this year. Last question before we finish up. Um, for the Cincinnatians, are you a Skyline or a Gold Star guy? Oh, Skyline, 100%. <laughs> That's just me, though, you know. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm speaking for everyone, but uh, speak for myself. <laughs> very good, very good. Glad we can clear that one up. Well, Dan, I truly appreciate your time. I, I know you're incredibly busy with with what you have going on before the start of the MLS season, the opening of the, the brand new West End Stadium. So it's just been a pleasure chatting with you, and, and we wish you all the best of luck this upcoming season. Oh, thank you very much. Nice to meet you, and uh, thanks for having me. For everyone, there are pivotal moments in your life that will define your legacy. Dan McNally was enjoying a successful career as a college soccer coach, but that pivotal moment for him came in the form of an idea to start a professional soccer club from scratch. Dan seized the moment, and the rest is history. He's helped build a culture and a soccer experience in Cincinnati that rivals any other city in the United States. Like Dan said, the relationships you form can provide opportunities. And even though he's in the front office now, you can tell Dan still has that coaching spirit in him. Thanks for listening to our conversation with FC Cincinnati's Dan McNally here on the Steel Sports Podcast. We hope you'll hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. And please be sure to spread the word. You can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Till next time, thanks for listening.